Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. We've got a great show for you today. Really excited about it. The topic is, what is hell actually like according to the vision of four saints? Yeah, and we're also going to talk about how Satan got his name, the nine circles of hell according to Dante, and how hell that Jesus mentioned is a real place on earth that you could visit today. And like Dante said, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Dun, dun, dun. man let's get this episode started want to introduce ryan shield here and father rich pagano back as always what's happening it's kind of weird you know we're this is like our first podcast in the dark and it's about hell oh Oh, lord have mercy that's kind of the lights i'm scared (laughs) that's scary oh you want the lights on when you're scared man that's terrifying yeah thank goodness we have these spots on us right now yeah Yeah, who knows what happens in the dark otherwise yeah (laughs) yeah so let's get this jammer going so today we're gonna talk about what we actually know about hell from four saints who had visions of hell. There's going to be St. Teresa of Avila, St. John Bosco, St. Faustina, and Saints uh, Jacinto and Francisco Marto from Fatima. Fatima. Yeah. We're also going to talk about Gehenna and that it's a real place, How the word, where the word hell comes from, how Satan got his name, and the nine circles of hell, according to Dante. I like it. It's a lot of content. Let's jump in. All right. Now, <laughs> jump into jump hell. Into hell. Yeah. Let's jump into hell. Yeah, that sounds like fun. That's uh, good. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, it would be fall, right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. So, Thanks. wasn't there like a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? This is, yeah, like this is Ryan, Ryan and Father's Rich's bogus journey. Bogus journey <laughs> into hell. <laughs> I think there's a common thread today in the world to say hell is a myth. Hell is not real. Hell is something invented to scare people into maintaining a religious life. Uh, You'll even find that within the Catholic Church, some priests, some people say hell is not real. It's not a merciful God would not somebody send anyone to hell. You know what I would say? Then why are all these Netflix shows about hell? What are they doing? Dude, brilliant. There's so (laughs) many, there's so, (laughs) what a great argument. Thank you, thank you. It's really impressive. Uh Thomas Aquinas is so proud of you. <laughs> Dude, I just... Question one, is hell real? I object. What about all these Netflix shows? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh. And then the Lord good. said, great point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Whoa. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. But that is, that idea that hell is not real is, co- is so contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus mentioned hell more than he mentioned heaven. Really? Absolutely. Well, then, there you have it. Do we have anything else to share? Other That's than it. the Netflix thing. Yeah, I, just, I got nothing. <laughs> I can't. So I got nothing. here's what the Catholic Church teaches. The teaching, this is Catechism 1035. The teaching of the Catholic Church affirms the existence of hell and its eternity. Immediately after the death, the souls of those who die in a state of mortal sin descend into hell, where they will suffer the punishments of hell, eternal fire. 
The chief punishment in hell is the eternal separation from God in whom alone man can possess the life and happiness for which he was created and for which he longs. Mm. I love Psalm 917, the verse that says, the wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forget God. And in relationship to that, this relationship that we have with God that is so intimate based in our creation is so important to reflect on. And isn't it interesting that the liturgy itself is always do this in remembrance of me? And the anamnesis, this word that just it's we're calling to memory, this covenant, this contract that is rooted in our relationship with Christ, that gives us that beautiful process of constantly remembering God, not forgetting him, and not forgetting, most importantly, his commands. Now, what most people think of as hell, and what a lot of, I think the common understanding or imagery of hell is based off of the work of uh, Dante Alighieri. He was Mm. an Italian poet in the 1350s. Mm. And he wrote a book called uh, Divine Comedy. Comedy. Right. Now, ha ha. Ha ha. Well, it's not a comedy in that sense. I know. But in the Italian sense that it all works out in the end. Yeah. But it was broken into three parts, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. The idea of what we think of as hell, most of the, the common thoughts come from the Inferno. Uh, In the Inferno, Dante divides hell into nine circles. And in each of these circles, people are tormented based on the sins that they committed in their life. So you have- Pretty introspective. If if you've never read it, it's really fascinating. I saw the movie (laughs) on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is fascinating. I had it it on an audio CD back in the day that I would listen to when I was driving. And, you know, the, a lot of his illusions that he that he draws out poetically in, in these books were then, you know, painted on canvas, placed inside of churches. And, I mean, very, very provocative images and very appropriated uh, punishments for the sins that were committed. Right. So here, his nine circles, the first and the highest circle is limbo. So that's for the unbaptized and virtuous pagans or paganos. I there guess you go. Uh, limbo. Yeah. So there, there's there. really no torment, but they're struck with grief from being separated from God now that they have faced, you know, eternal realization of the reality of God. Now, the next circle is lust. And the people who are guilty of the sins of lust are bent up and blown around in the wind endlessly. Mm. And they strike against rocks continuously. Mm. The next circle is gluttony. And in that circle, they're bombarded constantly with rain and black snow and hail. I don't I don't know. I don't get that. The next, the next circle is for the greedy. They are forced to push boulders and they always are having to fight and just constantly wanting. Uh, the next circle is anger. Uh circle after that is heresy, then violence, then fraud, and then the very lowest circle of hell is treachery. And in the very lowest circle of hell, Satan himself is frozen into a lake. It's completely cold, and he chews on Judas in his mouth for all of eternity. Satan chews on Judas. Mm. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Sounds like some hard beef jerky right there. <laughs> 
gosh, that's horrible. Dude. Some hard beef, Judas, some hard beef jerky. <laughs> wow. That would be like a good movie. Oh, Lord. Judas, hard beef jerky. <laughs> that's that about Yeah. So, John Paul II. <laughs> <laughs> It's getting late. Oh, <laughs> Lord, have mercy, man. That's a lot to, to swallow right there, Shield. Yeah. I don't know, pun intended. <laughs> well, alrighty then. So those are the ni nine circles. Nine yeah. circles. Of so power. that's where, that's, you know, now this was a poem. Mm -hmm. It was allegorical. It was meant to tie sins to what he viewed as just, just punishments. Do you ever preach on hell? I do preach some fire and brimstone every now and then. Yeah. What kind of things you say? Um, the wages of sin is death. No, I, I mean, I, I probably would need to be in the moment of the act of preaching. But, uh, you know, the, the gravity of sin and what that means in relationship to what hell is, is such an important uh, delivery for people to realize that their actions that are oriented toward the self is oriented toward death and hell and that complete absence of God, the complete absence of a place of belonging and isolation. And people people respond because they get a taste of that in their own sinfulness. Yeah, you mentioned in the uh, intro that it's like hell on earth, right? So I think preaching the the gospel is, is, is preaching what we're all called to do is live fulfilled lives um, and, and, in in that fulfillment, finding meaning and, and the, it's, it's just kind of like, it's either one way or the other, you, you can put in juxtaposition to somebody preaching, you know, don't be attached to, you know, gluttony, right. For mm -hmm. example, or, you know, you can preach about that and the, and the, the despair that you, that you have with that, right. Without preaching like, Hey, you're going to hell. You're saying, Hey, look, this is the hell that you're in right now. Yeah. And the reason why you're in it is because it's not what you've, what what you were called to, you know, to live. And I would never mm. use fear tactics ever in a homily to proselytize someone, which has been done in the in the history of the church for sure. And it's possibly being done in different circles of Christianity and Catholicism even now. But I don't believe that that should be the the number one motivator of why yeah. you do what you ought to do. It, it should be drawn by the cords of the heart, as the Psalms say, because it is beauty that draws you. It is, it is the place of the commitment and the responsibility of love that should absolutely animate your response. So it's an invitation. So I would rather spend more time developing, you know, the scriptures in light that are appropriate for the day that, that really speak of this greater call of Christ you know, but you have to stay rooted in what Jesus is saying. So if it's on hell, you you preach on hell. You know, and if it's yeah. if it's about the kingdom, if it's the be about the beatitudes, you you preach about that. Now, John Paul too, in a general audience, uh, Wednesday, July twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine, he gave a little catechism on hell, and here's what he said. Uh, just briefly, the first parts of it. He said, "God is infinitely good and merciful, Father." But man, called to respond to him freely, can unfortunately choose to reject his love and forgiveness once and for all, thus separating himself forever from joyful communion with him. He goes on to say, it is not a punishment imposed externally by God, but a development of premises already set by people in this life. 
The very dimension of unhappiness which this obscure condition brings can in a certain way be sensed in the light of some of the terrible experience we have suffered, which is commonly said as, this makes life like hell. In a theological sense, however, hell is something else. It is the ultimate consequence of sin itself, which turns against the person who committed it. It is the state of those who definitively reject the Father's mercy, even at the moment, at the end of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you've got to like, you know, to reject God's mercy, you have to be, encounter it. Mm-hmm. Like, and you isn't that you the form of apostasy in a way? Right. Where it's a complete rejection of God's goodness and, and you know, those who sin against the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like this unforgivable place because the choice has been made. You know, people and, and St. Faustina, you know, I know that we're going to get into St. Faustina a little bit later, but she has that beautiful insight, that mystical insight of people before the infinite mercy of God choose hell. So it's not it's not God condemning the soul to hell. It's more of the fact of this individual subjective person choosing hell because in light of the righteousness and perfection of God's mercy, they are unworthy in their own sight and they've already condemned themselves. Mm, That's right. So, and it's not Satan punishing you. It's not God punishing you. It is a punishment you are choosing of your own free will and you're sending yourself there. And the punishment is the separation from God. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what actually happens there. Now, St. Teresa of Avila, right? You know her. Yeah. No, that's Teresa of Lisieux. No, she's around here somewhere. We don't have a Teresa of Avila. Oh, man, Teresa of Avila. Yeah. Doctor of the Church, we need her. Yeah, we do. So here's what she said hell was like. She said, the entrance seemed to be a long, narrow pass, like a furnace. The ground was saturated with water and mud and foul. It smelled bad, and there was rats and vermin and... Bugs everywhere. Bugs. Now, this is where... new bugs are going to hell. This is going to be gross. Terrifying. At the end of this long path was a hollow place in the wall, like a closet, and I saw myself confined in it. Oof. I felt a fire in my soul. My body suffered... My body was suffering unendurably. Um, Let's see where... I did not see who tormented me, but I felt myself on fire and torn to pieces. As it seemed to me, and I repeat this, it was an inward fire and the greatest torment of despair. I could not sit down, lie down. There was no room to move. I was placed in a hole in the wall, and I could not breathe. There was no light but thick darkness. Wow. Sounds like a fun place. Yeah, and some of those themes and some of those emotive, that emotive language... I hear people talk to me all the time about those places and people going through hell Yeah, on earth. Yeah, I can relate. Uh, <clears throat> I go to confession like once a month, and usually when I go, I feel torn to pieces. You know, I'm like scatterbrained. Um, you know, I just don't feel feel right. I mean, it's obviously not a great torture or anything, but you can, you can kind of sense that I can kind of sense that like, I I need to go to confession, Mm -hmm. round this up, take out the trash. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel after you go to confession? Like I'm I'm just, you know, Mm -hmm. woven back together. The greatest clarity to a healthy soul, man. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. Because that sickness of unhappiness that John Paul II said so beautifully in that catechesis, you know, it, it infects us, you know, sin, 
infects us so much, not only just with our, our disposition emotionally, but also the way that we look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it will tear us up because we start to be, we, we're conflicted, you know, in our, in our own inner reality and identity that, you know, we need assistance and we need help and we need a doctor to be able to fix us. Yeah. And that doctoral precision of God's mercy that comes to us in the sacrament of reconciliation is all the soul needs. Yeah. And it's just a gift there yeah. just waiting. Like I, I'm kind of over the fact that, you know, I don't, I should, you know, I don't deserve this or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I do. I need it. <laughs> I need, I need this, man. Yeah, you know, you like know I definitely I don't deserve it. Yeah, I don't I deserve it, it, but I need it. Yeah. But the whole, the I mean, the vision the, of what hell actually yeah. like a long, narrow, dirty, dark path, bugs, bugs, and I hate rats. Bugs, it then, sounds like the train in New York City, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the rats and the. <laughs> but then there's dirty just and mud, smelly, yeah. like look at the A train. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a little hole in the wall and then locked in there for all eternity. You can never sit, oh, move, God, turn, lay down. It's discontent. N- no relief for eternity. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's it like, never gets better. That's terrifying. Yeah, that is pretty terrifying. Yeah. Just darkness and heat and confinement. And is that, is that a result of like, so you have mercy that's constantly being extended by God to us, whether you're here on earth or in purgatory, right? Or whatever. At some point, I would imagine purgatory would take away all of this distraction where it could be kind of presented in a way where you're not distracted from the world around you and a lot of the things that concupiscence, if you will, right? Is that is that a thing? Like when you're in purgatory? Well, purgatory is very different than hell. Yeah, because you're I mean, you're not you're not in the you're not in on the earth. You're not subjected to concupiscence anymore. You're in a place where God well, can present himself to you and and what I would consider well, I think, maybe glitter. I think concupiscence clear. is probably why you're in hell or in purgatory because you still have that attachment to sin. And that's what the purgation, that is what the fire is burning out of you. Yeah. Purging. It, it's getting rid of that concupiscence. But in that fire, you you meet, you you see the mercy in the presence of God, right? So you can oh, still. Yeah. And, and there, there are saints' experiences of the Blessed Virgin Mary visiting souls in purgatory. Yeah. You know, different saints visiting souls in purgatory to offer a certain satiation and, yeah. and hope and these realities that are even present in our world and our own experience on earth. So you think about a priest that hears your confession, Ryan, like that gives you hope. Or when you're in the confessional line, you know, it's like the light at the end of that narrow tunnel that was described by Teresa of Avila. You know, the, I feel like Ooh, I'm in this narrow tunnel that I'm yeah. breaking myself out into a new day. Purgatory has to be something similar to that, right? where there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there's a, there's a process of being purged from one's sin because there's such an attachment and concupiscence on earth that this is the process of alleviating that. So I could imagine that through that process, it would be a greater sense of freedom that yeah. that happens to the soul in the process of it being And you still have a will to say no. Like, At that point, when you're in pur- purgatory, purgatory, you it, still have a will. You can it's be like, like no, you, I don't you made want it. this. You know, that, yeah. that, at least that's the way that it's perceived is you make it into purgatory. You it may take it. a while. Yeah. May, yeah. So, and, and we, we can't think of it temporarily. You know, oh, we can't you made think of it. it. It's time. not middle earth or anything. No, it's not middle okay. earth. It's not like, okay, you're confined for, you know, yeah. this amount of time in purgatory. Gotcha. But the, the experiential realities of the soul goes through 
a sense gotcha. of being purged of Perfect. these the depths of sin. <clears throat> the, I didn't make it that far in the seminary. <laughs> the fire of hell and the fire of purgatory are very different. Uh, one is destructive and one is uh, tormenting. The other is like the heat of a a fever that this is is your body fighting off. You have yeah. the heat of a fever fighting off an infection that is curing you. But the heat and the fever is uncomfortable, but it leads to a cure. That's like purgatory. Hell is torment. It's like the fever for the flavor of a Pringle. <laughs> it's nothing like that. It's absolutely if nothing like that. If you experience like gluttony, it might be. Right. <laughs> so another state who saw like how- I'm thinking purgatory in regards to the Thai food we just had. Oh, that's so good. It's yeah. like the spice spicy. that was initially hit your palate. It's like, oh my gosh, mm. this is really spicy. But then it came then it more delightful. Like, oh yeah, this yes. is delightful. It's very sneaky. It's also nothing like that. <laughs> uh, where's our, did, did we bring our heresy All right, another saint that saw hell, St. John Bosco. Now, he had a long vision of hell. A lot of it was tied to the, to the young boys that were in his charge. Uh, and he was terrified of seeing the, the, you know, the uh, oratory and the boys of the oratory going to hell because he felt as their pastor and one of their fathers, right? So he said, going to hell, at first, the path to hell was flowers, and it was not that bad. It was dark. But the closer you got, the flowers started dying, and it started looking terrifying. And then he got into a certain place where he took, a, he crossed over a threshold, and then he felt indescribable terror, and he wouldn't, couldn't take another step. And he can see a huge cavern, and it gradually disappeared and recessed into a mountain, and there was flames walls, thick walls, each wall a thousand miles thick, and then each space in between a thousand, like 10 feet, and then a thousand mile thick wall, just absolute heat and confinement. And, and he said there wasn't actually fire. Everything was so hot. It was glowing, burning, hot, white, but still dark. Mm. Pretty terrifying. Oh, yeah. How could it be burning hot, white, and dark? I don't know. It's interesting. You don't want to know. Yeah, you don't want to know. Don't don't shut you, up, you Ryan. Do not want to find out. Why are you questioning uh, the absence of light and light itself? Mm. The absence of God, though. You know, there's so many things that that come from God that we take for granted. You know, the breath that we draw. You know, the food that we eat, the friendships that we have, the things that sustain us in life. And you know, think about that. Like the none of that is there that you've taken for granted your whole life. You know, and the light that, that penetrates your eyes so you can see. You yeah, know, it's, all of that is gone. It's insatiable. Your life is insatiable. Nothing can satiate. Did I say that right? Satiate? Satiate. satiate. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Ryan. He got yeah, that off his little calendar. No, it's, it's, it's satiate. Satiate. <laughs> the word of the day. Satiate of November. <laughs> satiate of October or something. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think um, Augustine said our hearts are restless until they rest in you, mm -hmm. God. <laughs> in God. <laughs> you, my Lord, I think he said. But uh, he also said that sin is insatiable. It's like drinking salt water. You, you're, you're thirsty and you're drinking salt water and you just become more thirsty and more thirsty. And then mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't get satiation. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, this is my, I, I might be in hell. It's just continuously trying to record this episode and keeping you guys in line for all eternity. When we think of the water that comes from springs, <clears throat> you know, could you imagine being confined to, you know, like a raft in the middle of the ocean where you went through all of your water and, you know, then you're just drinking this salt water and how dehydrated you'll become and, and what your, your palate is thirsting for is that, is that spring water, the, the waters of salvation mm-hmm. that springs forth for us, you know, out of the heart of Christ and the baptismal waters. So you could imagine, you know, that, that deep thirst that's never going to be quenched. And in light of what we were sharing about purgatory and these different insights that saints and mystics had throughout the years, that there are moments of great consolation and that satiation that comes from the intercessory powers of the saints in that reality of what happens. Um, or I think of Mother Teresa, come be my light, and how she had a desire, even though she was thrown into that type of darkness on earth, mm. the darkness of intellect, the darkness of her worth and, and God's love for her, she went for over 45 years without that reality in her wow. prayer life. And how she in heaven wants to be that type of light for those who are most you know, that are most in darkness. Whenever I'm experiencing personal darkness, yeah. I turn to her and I ask her for her help and her assistance and her intercession and her example so that I can be steadfast and continue to make it. It's like Winston Churchill says, like, if you find yourself in hell, keep going, keep going. Right. Yeah. It's, it, you know, we've got to keep going as, as members of Christ, we are members of the light and we've got to keep on moving toward the light. And, you know, to look at to look at the realities of hell, we don't have to look too far because we can experience it in our own struggle and our own suffering of concupiscence itself. So here we go. Now, I know you have a special devotion to St. Faustina. I do. Now, in her diary, in an entry from October 1936, she talks about having had a vision of hell. And this is what she wrote. I am writing this at the command of God so that no soul may find an excuse by saying there is no hell or that nobody has ever been there. And so no one can say what it is like. So here's what she saw. Now this is again, St. Faustina from her journal. Today I was led by an angel to the chasms of hell. It is a place of great torture, how awesomely large and extensive. These are the kinds of tortures I saw. The first torture constitutes hell is the loss of God. The second is the the perpetual remorse of conscience. The third is one's condition will never change. The fourth is that the fire will penetrate the soul without destroying it, that you never can get out of it. The fifth is that the torture is in continual darkness and terrible suffocating smell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can relate. And then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've stayed with you guys. It's a terrible suffocating <laughs> smell at times. There's just a smell. Yeah, Sorry. it's just a smell. It's so, a, Italians have that. Yeah. The fifth torture Brute. is continual darkness and a terrible suffocating smell. <clears throat> and despite the darkness, the devils and the souls of the damned see each other and all the evil, both of the others and their own. The sixth torture is the constant company of Satan. Lord have mercy. The seventh torture is horrible despair, hatred of God, bile words, curses and blasphemies now she said these tortures were suffered by all damned people in hell but each had one additional suffering that was particular to their sins these special tortures designed for particular souls 
They torment the senses. Each soul undergoes terrible and indescribable sufferings related to the manner in which they sinned. Yep. Mm. Um, it sounds a lot, structurally, it sounds a lot like Inferno. You know, I mean, like, mm -hmm. you know, how your suffering is related to the sin. I love in the in the same reference from the diary, which is around 741. So if those of you who want to look at St. Faustina's diary, if you don't have a diary of St. Faustina, this was a monumental find for me early on in my reversion. And she offered me so much insight into how I approach my ministry, how I preach on the mercy of God, and, and how I try to exercise compassion as best as I can, though I fall short all the time and every day in showing compassion to my neighbor. But, you know, that God willing, through God's omnipotence and his mercy, he will continue to guide me. But uh, it, it, speaking of that omnipotence and God's mercy, listen to this. There are caverns and pits of torture where one form of agony differs from another, as Ryan Schill just mentioned before. I would have died at the very sight of these tortures. Just her seeing the tortures, not even going through the tortures associated with the senses. She says, I would die at the very sight of them if the omnipotence of God had not supported me. The advocacy that we have in the spirit of God and our faith is just so powerful. We're talking about confession. What, what type of consolation could we compare the realities of confession to and the omnipotence of God's loving mercy ever supporting us along the way? That, I don't know what I would do without it. I mean, it's it's just so necessary, as it was necessary to St. Faustina's work. And I thank God that, that we have this insight from her because she gives us probably one of the most articulate uh, explanations and insights, way better, in my opinion, than, than Dante's, Dante's version. Yeah, Dante's were allegorical yeah. and, and made up, yeah. fiction. These yeah. are actual visions, visions by yeah. saints. Now, you don't have to take them as a deposit of faith, but these are saints. They're trustworthy. So the fourth one that we're going to talk about are the shepherds of Fatima. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Francisco, Jacinto, and Sister Lucy. Yeah. Right? Didn't Sister Lucy pass away? She did. Yeah, about mm -hmm. 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah. Maybe 15 at this point. So at Fatima, Our Lady showed hell to these three shepherd children. And in her memoirs, Sister Lucia describe the vision of hell that Mary showed to them. She said, this is, this is uncomfortable. She opened her hands once more and she had done as she had done the two previous months. The rays of light appeared to penetrate the earth and we saw as it were a vast sea of fire. Plunged in this fire, we saw the demons and souls of the damned. The latter were like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, having human forms. They were floating about in the conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames, which issued from within themselves. So it was like, have you ever seen like a, a fire and it's like kicking up leaves? Yeah. These people, these souls are on fire and they're being pushed up in the air by the fire, burning in themselves, just moving around. Mm. Yowza. No good. Now they fell back on every side like sparks and huge fires without weight or equilibrium amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with flight with fright. The demons were distinguished from the souls of the damned 
by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. The vision only lasted for a moment, thanks to our good heavenly mother, who at the, who at the first apparition had promised to take us to heaven. Without that, I think I would have died of terror and fear. Wow. There were kids too, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. How about that for nightmares? And that, and that same that same reality that Saint Faustina talked about in the very side of this, how it's it's so gripping and overwhelming that you know next to the support that comes from divine consolation, from Our Lady and from Jesus's mercy, we can't withstand just the very thought of these realities. Yeah. I, I mean, even as we're we're speaking about them, and you brought up um, brought up Netflix before. I watched this this Netflix show. It was an original movie. Are we talking about Netflix and Hell again? Yeah, we're we're pulling a full circle. Yeah. This is this the worst catechism, hold, dude. Hold dark. Oh my gosh, I I probably shouldn't even said the name of it, but it is just so gut wrenching and the realities of like sacrificing your child. But you know, we had a we had a uh, previous episode on Our Lady of Guadalupe that we shot and. You know the the fact that children were being sacrificed, even oh, yeah. in, in Mayan you know, temples, Mayan though, temples, yeah. and stuff like that. And this has been a part of, you know, that that type of uh, sacrifice has been a part of the history of the world for so long. And we could even look at abortion in the yeah. same manner today. But Our Lady, as a champion, Our Lady of Guadalupe, our champion who put an end to those sacrifices in Mexico City and Mexico. You know, that's we need more of Our Lady, and this revelation from Fatima is is a definite confirmation of that. And she's a player in the game. She's a total player. You know, yeah, she's opening it up. She's there. Mm -hmm. It's like Acts two twenty seven. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your holy one see decay. You know, like like God is for us, and if that's the case, who could be against us? There's no power. That can yeah. come against us when we have that type of advocacy. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think um, I heard it one time, paraphrase, I'm paraphrasing, but um, uh, S- Sister Faustina, I think Jesus said, she, she said something like, you know, uh, well, what if somebody has this great sin, you know, or, or whatever? And and she heard Jesus say something like, whoever has sinned the greatest is the most entitled to my mercy, mm-hmm. right? So you, you think of, oh no, you know, I, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, no. And, and it's even in the scriptures where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. All the more, mm-hmm. yep. So, so it ain't like you get no opportunities. And, 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 you know, like these, these themes that we're hearing consistently throughout can be summarized in, in weeping, grinding of teeth, you know, these confinement, these confinement darkness, darkness, heat, separation, no escape, despair, uh, so regret, remorse, where flying is the up ministry, into the air. Where is the ministry of the church among people that are suffering those realities now? You They're know, everywhere. If, well, and that's the thing, because the church is there to accompany people in that form of advocacy to support them to move through these hellacious experiences in life. To bring the gospel. To, to bring them. the gospel yeah. and to bring the light that comes from Christ, to bring that hope that is Mercy. secure. Absolutely. And, and the promise of salvation. So, you know, our work is, is needed. And you may be sitting out there listening to this podcast and you may be really feeling down and sick in the heart with some of these realities in your own life. 
Know that there is consolation for you in the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Know that there's consolation for you in the confessional. Know that the scriptures are there to provide for you the strength that you can draw from the living word so that you can endure these present day sufferings and remain faithful because God's promise is true and God's promise is for you. And he is going to hold you in the palm of his hand and guide you through these difficult moments. Hold sure. Yeah. In in short, if if God forgives me, he can forgive you. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was a dummy. Mm-hmm. A big still, dummy? Still is. Mm-hmm. Hey, so we're going to get into like Satan's name and stuff like yeah. that? So, all right. First, in the is Bible, that, what does Jesus usually call hell? Where does he Gehenna. say? Gehenna. Mm-hmm. That's where they was like put all trash, the dirty diapers. Yeah, it was like a dump. Gehenna was a real house. place. It was in that deep valley. Yeah, the Valley of Ben-Hinnon. Yeah. So outside of outside of Jerusalem, there was a valley. Now, during the uh, kingdom of Judah, the Valley of Ben-Hinnon, uh, south of Jerusalem and south of Mount Zion, uh, it was a place where the Canaanites worshipped Moloch. Now, Moloch was a Canaanite god that people sacrificed children to. And they would sacrifice those children to Moloch through immolation or burning them alive. Gross. So that's horrible. That that actually went down in Jerusalem. Yes. Wow. And that's what I was saying. Like this. What was, is it with babies and because like, it's innocence all over the it's world? Innocence. It's the sacrifice of innocence to the gods. Yeah. yeah. To appease the gods. So the Canaanites would sacrifice children by burning them to Moloch, which is just. I can't even yeah. think of that. So that valley became a damned place and no one would go there because especially for Jews, that was incredibly unclean place. Yeah. So what they used that land for then was the dump. All the garbage was dumped in there because it was unusable for anything else because it was unclean. So since they already had a ritually unclean and terrible place, they threw all their garbage there. And back then, what you did with garbage is you would set it in fire, right? Still do. You know, if you like burning a couch or something. Well, I had a burn pit when right. I had a trailer on the Swanee. Yeah, so this is like a giant burn pit for Jerusalem. And it never really Are goes out. Are you serious? Out. Yeah. I didn't know that. It was back when I was before pre-conversion. Oh, when wow. you're living in the we trailer down by the swing. river? It was down It was down by the Swanee yeah. River. Yeah. yeah. So the fire never went out because people are always throwing more garbage in and just smolder and burn. And there's worms and maggots and fires and unquenchable fires. It never went out. stench. And it was filthy and dis- diseased. And okay. Children had okay. been sacrificed there. Gross. But everyone knew it. Yeah. It's right there. So it's a dump. Yeah. And that's why Jesus always referred to that. So what, where are we going with this? So that's, the end of it is a bad place. It's still there. That's what Jesus called hell. Right. Gehenna. And right now, it's um, there's some gardens and parks there. It's a real place. When you go to Jerusalem, if you go, uh, it's on the uh, Geban Hinnom Street. There's like the Zurich Gardens. There's a hotel there. Um, it's still there. Yeah. It's, so I, mean, where I don't Jesus think I want to stay in that hotel. No. Yeah, I'll stick to you know Notre Dame up there with. The yeah, we're not going to we're not going to mention nice that hotel. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible reviews on Yelp. <laughs> oh lord yeah so the word hell actually comes from a uh, proto-indo-european 
language. It's one. It's a the common Proto Indo European language. Right. Rich, did you get that? I did. Do you know what it is? Proto Indo European. So that was the language that most European languages descended from, right? Greek, Latin. Okay, Greek uh, and Latin. Okay. Um, you know, almost all the languages descended from that in one way, shape, or form. It was kind of a common language. Now, the word hell comes from an old word that basically meant to conceal or to cover. Okay. Um, in the in the Old Testament, they called it sheol. Sheol, yeah. yeah. Which, again, probably comes from the same root word. Hell, sheol. Yep. And then last thing I wanted to talk about was how the devil actually got his name. Well, you got devil, Satan, Lucifer. Right. Beelzebub. Lucifer was not Beelzebub. But Beelzebub, Beelzebub is a demon. Mm-hmm. Not the same. Not this. Not 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 the the head one. Yeah. Mm. Beelzebub um, is the Lord of the Flies. Oh man, I just pulled that book out of my my collection. Your repertoire. Yeah, my repertoire. No, so Lucifer. Like, yeah, I mean, like, what, what is so he, Satan? What is he, he's called Satan in in the Bible, right? Yeah. So he yeah. actually, it comes from a, um, a Hebrew word. Uh, Hashatan, mm-hmm. which means the accuser. Yep. Good which, name. Right. The accuser of our brothers is cast down. Yep. Now, the devil, the word the devil comes from a transliter- transliteration from that Hebrew word. So the the Greeks, the Greek word for accuser was diabolos, which is where yeah, diabolical Diablo. and devil come from. It's where diablo sauce comes from, too, at some of the Mexican restaurants. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> that word, same word. And then... Kind of that Greek word mutating into English became diophil, devil, devil. Gotcha. That's where it comes from. Interesting. And Lucifer comes from Hillel, a Greek, uh, another Hebrew word meaning shining one or the light bearer. Light bearer. Yeah, that's his. Yeah, because he he's he's an angel mm-hmm. of light. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, thinking about the hot, dark, confined worms torture yeah never getting out never being able to move uh, standing forever never the chance of repentance that's terrifying it's dirty yeah dirty place we need to ask father rich for confession he uh father rich what are you looking up over there I'm looking at a beelzebub beelzebub yeah i'm looking up beelzebub because it says that uh that beelzebub is the leader. It's a leader of all demons. Well, here. no, I mean, like, what, a third of the angels? The ruler of demons. It is only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons, that this fellow casts out the demons. So is in Satan, the context of, of the Pharisees accusing Jesus. Is Satan considered an arch, arch demon or like an archangel? He, he's the equivalent of an archangel. And there are angels, so there's an order of intelligence. Well, all the fallen angels, and we're going to get, we're going to, we're, there's another episode that we did about okay. angels uh, where we'll talk really about the orders of angels the orders and, of angels. You know, okay. how they fell. I'll zip my lip. Yeah, you zip that up. Zip, zip, zip up. But enemy, liar, father of lies, murderer, ruler of this world, god of this age, angel of light, Lyle, ruler you, of the authority of the air. Did you say Lyle? The Lyle. Lyle. Like, I know a guy named Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, are like you this- reading Sepultura lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that was a crazy band, man. Yeah, yeah just these de- descriptive, descriptive um, 
you know, dragon, old serpent, old scratch, deceiver of the yeah, old scratch. That's right. Yeah. So old scratch. What what did you got? Are you ready for the Inquisition? I don't know. <laughs> we, yeah, it's you, late. Do we dude. have something? Yeah. Are you gonna put me? You, you're probably gonna get me. It's late and I'm tired. So before we get into that, <laughs> before we get into that. Um, we're going to put a poll. Which of the four saints' visions of hell did you find the most terrifying? So which one did you guys think was the scariest? St. Faustina is still for me. I'm going to go with the kids, the Fatima kids. Now, for me, Teresa of Avila was the most terrifying. Really? Yeah, you don't you don't like dark and... I don't, I don't, I'm fine narrow. with dark. Can't lay down. That's kind of like what you're going through. <laughs> like right now, you can't sleep and stuff yeah. like that. Just yeah. constant, never any respite. Gnarl. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind mud and... Rats and so I've been to New York. <laughs> I just kind of deal with it, you know. Just don't, I don't mind money. Just don't rats. feed them. Been to New York. Just don't feed them. All right. So, are you ready for the Inquisition? I suppose. If God sends people to hell, well, He doesn't. People send themselves to hell, and Satan is tormenting them in hell. Is Satan actually doing God's work by tormenting people in hell? Hmm. Well, they can't come back out of hell. Like right. It's an eternal place. Well, so. wouldn't that wouldn't that but does necessarily that correlate God's presence in His will in hell when that is clearly a contradiction of theological terms? Because it is an literally an absence of God. So I would say absolutely not. Okay. My daughter asked me that question. Oh, really? Yeah. Your daughter is so smart, man. She I, is. That's that's amazing. So I asked, so I, here's how I answered it for her. Now, I said, now imagine I drop you off somewhere. We're, say we're driving to Chicago and I drop you off in a really rough neighborhood. Not to call Chicago hell. I love Chicago, but Chicago's kind of hellish at some places. It's, it's hellish. Pretty scary. It's not hell. Right. It's hellish. Now, if I drop you off there and bad things happen to you there, right? Am I doing that to you, or is that are the people doing them there to you, or is it because you were left in this place? Am I punishing you, or were you being punished because you were in this place that you were left in? Who's actually doing the punishments towards you? It's the people of the place, but because you are there of my will, and I, you chose to go there, and I allowed you to go there, that's the punishment. Dude, that's what I tell parents that drop their kids off at my house. <laughs> I'm like, you know what you're doing, right? Okay. That's so crazy. Yeah. I said the same thing to my <laughs> neighbors. So Satan's not not God's warden. No. 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 No okay. way. No way. No. You know, he's fallen from relationship with God and, and union with God. God is not present. In hell, it is absence of God. Yeah. And I hope that this podcast, you know, you, you start talking about hell. What it really boils down to is you talk about the mercy. You can't talk about hell without the mercy of God. Yeah. Like the, 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 that constantly extends to mm -hmm. us for all eternity and, and its power to piece you back together from the disarray. And, and not to go into detail of like this child sacrificing movie that I watched on Netflix that totally disturbed me that I needed to go to bed last night. And it took a whole day for me to kind of be you repaired. You should have drank with us last yeah, night. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it does take a sense of being repaired after being exposed to such darkness. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think of St. Faustina, these children of Fatima, 
and St. Teresa of Avila and these great mystics, how God's omnipotence and his presence in his presence in their life constantly repaired them, even though they were exposed to pretty pretty dark stuff. My brothers and sisters, if we're walking on this path, we're going to be exposed to dark stuff. We're going to go through hardship. We're going to go through difficulty. But it's all about what you do in the wake of these realities. What do you do in the wake of sin? You, you know, you're not defined, like John Paul II says, by your sin that leads you to death and your concupiscence. But you're defined by what you do after these facts. And if you can respond by being faithful and responding to that call and continuing to progress in the pilgrimage of life together with your brothers and sisters and following Christ, you will find the way through that narrow gate along the merciful hands of, of our Savior on the on the tree of life and the cross. We're going to find our way together. So we so thank you for joining us on the Catholic Talk Show. We thank you for subscribing and, and giving us some positive reviews. And hopefully this is a blessing for you. And as we continue to journey together, hopefully we'll go grow deeper in our understanding of our faith. Bam. Very good. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, it was fun going to hell with you guys. And <laughs> we'll see you on the next episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Peace. Have a great night. God bless. God bless.